Welcome back to Moms in Baseball. This is Stephanie. And I'm Diana. And it's episode 83. Today's episode, we are talking about pitch counts and what parents need to be aware of. Let me tell you a little story about our Little League this year. So uh, we do Little League on Tuesdays and Thursdays. And then um, then the kids can do their travel ball those other days. So um, this kid from the other team, he was just like, he's a good pitcher. Um, he was throwing hard, but he was wild. So the first inning, it was, I think he walked like three kids. He hit two kids. People were starting to chat. They're like, what is going on? He, he hit some uh, strikes, but mostly it was it was a lot of walks, and then we had a couple kids that, that hit, and then we got outs that way. So then comes around the next inning that kid's pitching again, and he beams two more of our kids. So that's like four kids that he's hit. He's still walking more, and the mom comes up, and she says, oh, my gosh, I don't know what his deal is. He pitched great this whole weekend, and I was like, oh, like my whole mom face just kind of was like, wait, what did you say? Like, oh, lady, like, yes, it's Tuesday, but we all know with travel baseball that, you know, championship is on Sunday. Most of your games are played on Saturday. You might have a Friday one. So if he was pitching on Saturday and Sunday, he had one rest day, and then they even had him in for, for two innings. And so finally they pulled him. And the poor kid was like all trying to move his arm around. Like you could tell he was in pain. Like it was not good. Are you referring back to your Tuesday game when you're talking? Yes. Oh, I'm sorry. Okay. So it was the Tuesday game. So he, his mom said he pitched the whole weekend and we know (laughs) championship is usually on Sunday. This kid throws hard. I'm sure he was pitching on Sunday. Yeah, the whole he pitched well the whole weekend is a little bit concerning. Like how, wait, back to back days? What do you mean the whole weekend? I know. And I was like, should I be that mom? Should I say something to her? And then I was like, wait. And so that kind of like brought this around. So like they pulled him, he was hurting. They put him back out in the field, but that's a little league for you. Um, But I was just like, oh my goodness, like Diana, we probably should talk about pitch counts and, and making parents a little bit more aware of this because there's a crazy problem going on. And uh, it, it's going to get worse, I think, as as time goes on and kids get older. It, I, well, I think it is getting worse. Uh, we just talked pre-recording that while we were doing a little bit of research for this episode, I just read that a doctor from the Andrews Institute, and Dr. Andrews is the doctor that kind of like pioneered this Tommy John surgery. This is specifically from Dr. Jeffrey Dugas, a, sur- a surgeon at the Andrews Institute, said that when he started his practice 17 years ago, Tommy John surgery was really like for college athletes and for pro athletes. And you might have a couple of high school athletes here and there. Now at just at his clinic, high school athletes make up more than 55% of the Tommy John surgery patients. And a recent survey found that nationwide, 15 to 19 year old athletes make up nearly 60% of all the Tommy John surgeries in the U.S., so we will That is crazy. Yeah, we'll share a link to this article in the notes so that you can check it out yourself. But yeah, it, it is becoming an issue um, for younger and younger and younger kids. Absolutely. Yes. And for those of you that are not that familiar with Tommy John surgery. So Tommy John was named after I think the first pitcher that they did the surgery on. And so what it is, it's your uh, UCL tendon is pretty much blown in your elbow. So they either use another tendon from somewhere else on your body or a cadaver one, and they have to drill holes into your bone and then put that new tendon and wrap it around your elbow um, so that you can have that function again 
of your of your elbow and it's mostly with pictures but there's another article floating around which I've seen and it's called Tommy John surgery saves the careers of pictures but we may need to get ready for a new problem and what they said in that article is that it's not just pitchers anymore. We're seeing more positional players because these positional players are throwing harder and harder. Why? Because they're going to these showcases. We have, you know, they want to get their velocity up there. And so they're throwing harder and harder. And so, you know, you have kids reaching 105.5 velo out in the outfield or 95. That's that's pretty high to be throwing that. And they continuously do this because they're playing those those positions on a regular basis. So it's not just pitchers anymore. We have our catchers and, and positional players, too, that's, that's creating this crazy ap- epidemic. Right. And I wonder if a lot of that, too, is all you had mentioned showcases. I guess I'll go there first. Showcases yes. are often really early in the season. And that's one issue that a lot of people have with them. Kids are going there trying to throw literally as hard as they can because it's getting measured and they're trying to show off for recruiters and everything. And they're probably not warmed up and ready to even be doing that yet. Um, It's usually out of season. It's in the middle of the winter. So they're still doing their winter sport or whatever. But I'm this is, again, 100 percent speculation. This is obviously not my area (laughs) of expertise, just, you know, my own thoughts. Um, I wonder if it's also just the increase in popularity of tournament ball, Um, like if kids were pretty much just focusing on little league and high school ball. You only have, I don't know, maybe three, four, at most five kids that really ever actually pitch, right? Well, now with Ah. all these kids doing tournament ball, as we know, most of them pitch, or at least you have to. If you're getting prepared to play seven, eight games in a weekend, you need everyone to be able to pitch. So a lot of those position players, I'm guessing, are also probably pitching for their weekend tournament teams. So I don't know. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. And I, yes, I do remember too. I think it was last year. Um, what's his name? Is it Shohei? Yeah. Shohei Otani. Show. Yes. So he was pitching and they still wanted him to bat in the lineup. So they put him out in the outfield and everybody was like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh. But I was like, uh, hello, our kids do that for Little League. <laughs> like... Yeah. No, I think that's hilarious. <laughs> I, I know I recently watched one and it was like position players pitching and then pitchers playing the outfield and they're like shocked when a pitcher can make a good throw from left field and it's like of course they can make a good Uh, hard accurate throw like they're athletes (laughs) they have an arm you know they didn't grow up on a pitching mound necessarily but that's funny right (laughs) we we forget that they can do more than one thing Yes, and and I know we've brought this up before because we are big. We love Little League. We love rec ball. And we also, our families do do um, travel ball. But uh, the big thing, too, is that we don't do year-round baseball. And I think you read in the article that we were discussing. Do you want to bring that up again? Yeah. um, The the tips for parents. Is that what we're talking about here? The first tip. Or didn't they? Yeah. The first tip that I saw here, this started out at the Andrews Sports Medicine. I ended up down a rabbit hole here um, and found (laughs) tips for parents to avoid Little League injuries, especially like Little League elbow. Mm -hmm. And this is from the American Sports Institute. And let's see, the second item down says no overhead throwing of any kind for at least two to three months per year. Four months is preferred. And then it says no competitive baseball pitching for at least four months of the year. So, again, these are obviously a lot of people don't follow these. And you'll find Uh a lot of people that say, well, I don't believe in that, whatever. I'm just reading to you what one of the 
This comes from one of the most well-renowned um, experts in youth pitching injuries recommend. So I don't know. Yes. And we, we are, we've always said that too. We like our multi-sport athletes and we've always had our kids in multi-sports and to give, you know, the different muscles a break and to develop other muscles that you might not normally. So that's just our two cents as well. But let's go over a couple more of these um, kind of guidelines. We got some of these from the MLB and the Little League guidelines for parents. Um, also, always make sure to properly warm up before pitching. And this is not just kind of playing catch. Like I would say even doing some of those bands, um, what do they call those, J-bands, mm-hmm. doing something even more in, in actually not just – throwing your five pitches or whatever before, but like you need to really warm up your arm to make sure that it's ready. Absolutely. And then any dynamic stretches that they can do or dynamic movements are always going to be highly encouraged. There's a world of thought that actually would advise against static stretching. So like kind of like the old school, like hold your arm in place for several seconds, not not against static stretching, static stretching right before an event. So I'm not saying don't ah. do it because, again, that's another controversial thing. But, like, look <laughs> into it because um, some people will say that's not the time for it. I can tell you from a – I have a massage therapy background. Just from a massage standpoint, we would never do those slow stretches except for as a cool down after, like, if after an event. So if we were working on runners before a marathon or something, we would never do those long, slow movements. We're doing very quick um, movements, things to like get their muscles energized and warmed up and ready to work as opposed, and then afterwards, then we're trying to cool them down and slow the muscles down. So in my brain, yeah, that makes sense. Oh, that does make sense. Thank you for explaining that. That does make more sense to me. That's nice. Um, another one is avoid playing catcher while not pitching. And I think vice versa in the same inning. Like if your catcher's coming into pitch, like, oh my goodness, like you're not setting them up for a good outing because that poor kid is already kind of blowing his arm catching and um, vice versa. Once you you pull your kid pitching, please don't put them in as a catcher. Like, please don't. Yeah. Um, another one is players should not pitch in multiple games on the same day. That makes sense. Yep. And we're going to go over some of those um, guidelines, throwing guidelines to and rest. And so that'll kind of make more sense to you as well. Um, another one is monitor for other signs of fatigue. Like if you're pain and, and it's painful for you to pitch, but guess what? You're only at 20 pitches. Like I probably would stop. Right. Yep. And I, I think that one's important is watching for fatigue. There, You'll hear people say like, well, I don't believe in pitch counts. I believe in watching you know, when to see when my pitcher is tired or fatigued and they're starting to lose their form. Like, okay, I suppose if you're an expert at reading that body language and you know that kid really well, but that's a gamble I probably wouldn't be willing to take. But you to rely only on that, I guess is what I'm saying. Right. But maybe they haven't reached their pitch count yet for the day or, you know, and we'll, we'll kind of share mm-hmm. links to what those pitch counts mean. But um, definitely watch for signs of fatigue. That's when they're going to be likely to injure themselves. So if they plain they're tired, if they look tired, if they're losing their mechanics, time to pull. Right. And you know, there's always like a couple of those kids that are like, I'm just going to push through it. Coach needs me. He's relying on me. Like I got to just keep pitching even though I'm in pain. So like, I, yeah, I totally agree. Like, I don't know if I would 100% just use that as my, my only option of, of doing that as well. Um, the next one is no pitcher shall appear in a game as a pitcher for three consecutive days, regardless of pitch counts. That makes sense. Yeah. 
I, I kind of think of it like just like working out. Like you're not going to work out the same muscle three days in a row. Like you're going to do more damage to your muscles because what's happening when you're you're working them is like you're breaking them down pretty much. And so why would you want to do that? For It doesn't even matter your pitch count. Um, why would you want to do that three consecutive days in a row? Right. So now let's go back up to I did do a little bit of research on – pitch guidelines. Oh, yeah. Do you what guidelines do you use most, Diana, or have you looked at the most? Well, lucky for me, I have a husband who usually takes this area, <laughs> and so I don't worry about it, but the MLB pitch smart guidelines are what I would probably generally refer to. Mhm. How about you? That sounds good. Yes, I that's kind of what I found the most and actually I looked up the little league ones too because like I said we're just coming off of little league season and so those were set up very 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 similar like I I think there was like a couple of numbers off but otherwise it's very same the very same. So do you want to go over and read off some of these? Um sure. I I don't want to read every single thing here but like that's mm-hmm. isn't cuz we'll link to that but for an example um if we're talking little league like 11 12 year old they should not pitch any more than 85 pitches in a game. And to me, that means 85 pitches, like once we're into the season and their arms have been nice and warmed yes. up, not like their very first outing of the year. Um, no more than 85 pitches in a game. And if they throw that, wait, and after they've pitched, they need to rest. Um, hold on. Oh, here we go. I, I'm sorry. I wasn't reading that correctly. So if they throw <laughs> between one to 20 pitches, so like maybe you pull a kid in and they just pull one quick inning. And they, and they threw fewer than 20 pitches. They don't necessarily require a day of rest. They could probably pitch again the next day. If they threw between 21 and 35 pitches, so that's generally generally going to be, what, two to three innings, depending on how good yeah. efficient they are, I guess, that should be, uh, right. they should take one day of rest. And whenever they say days of rest, that means an entire day where they didn't throw. So if they threw 30 pitches on Monday, they should take Tuesday to rest, and then they could throw again on Wednesday. Um, If they threw between 36 and 50 pitches, two days rest, 51 to 65 pitches, three days rest. And if they threw 66 or more, so that'd be like 66 to 85, then they would need four full days of not pitching. So that would be pitch on Monday. Don't pitch again until Saturday, right? Yeah, that would be pitch on Monday. Don't pitch again until Saturday. So if you maxed him out, let him rest. Yes. So all you people that are doing a rec league or little league, um, as well as doing travel, like pay attention to that, please. Because that means that if your kid is pitching on Sunday, just like you said, they need that four days. So Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, uh, they, they might not be ready. Like, I don't know if they're going to pitch for your little league kids, they might not be ready then to do your tournament come the weekend. Just, you need to be the manager the momager. Yeah, absolutely. And I'll say most people will also say like if this were broken like once, they're probably not going to like need Tommy John surgery next week, right? But these are things that it's just a really good idea to use as a guideline and um I I personally don't think we would ever break it, but if you but definitely don't make a habit of going over their pitch count for sure. I feel like that's it's those bad habits that probably are going to add up. But since you mm-hmm. mentioned that, I want to go through a few um additional tips you'd already had given a few, and these are from the American Sports Medicine Institute for Parents. Um, We already talked about watching for fatigue and no overhead throwing. They recommend don't have your kids pitch more than 100 innings total in any calendar year. Hmm. So however they break up their season or all their teams, keep it under 100 innings. Um, And again, follow those pitch count limits. 
this one is tough because we both have been here. It says avoid pitching, or excuse me, avoid pitching on multiple teams with overlapping seasons. So we've both done mm-hmm. this with our kids. They've done rec ball slash little league and overlapped with travel ball. But that's because, like Stephanie said, we manage that ourselves. So we know if our kid pitched Saturday, we knew we know how many pitches he threw. And so we just kind of follow those guidelines. We keep in communication with the coaches. I'm not sure how Stephanie did it. Probably similar. But for us, one team was the priority for pitching. And the it would be like, okay, you know what? You never uh, Xander never had a chance to pitch this past weekend. So you know what? He can pitch for his rec ball team on Monday. Or he... Or he threw a little bit Saturday, so based on his guidelines, he can pitch Tuesday, you know, keep it under 60 pitches or whatever, and then he's good to go this whole weekend for his travel team if they need him. So if you do multiple teams, you kind of have to manage it yourself as a parent, as momager, to mm-hmm. make sure they don't go over those guidelines. Yes, and we, I've, we've actually said that to our little league coach yep. and he was like, okay with it. Like he was, he was like thankful that we were letting him know. Was he ecstatic when we said he can't pitch? No, but I mean, that's what the whole point of is. You have other people on the team. It's going to give other kids a chance as well. And so you just deal with it and that's okay. And, and it, it still worked out. So communication uh, is the key. This, this next one I think is so important. And I think, um, and I'll talk a little bit more about it in a bit. My 12-year-old is currently dealing with some elbow issues, um, and I feel like this is one of the reasons, because we pulled out the radar gun this year, and so oh, the, yes. the tip is avoid pitching to impress the radar gun. Yes. So, and especially for 12-year-old kids, oh my gosh, that number means everything to them, and you know they want to make it as high as they possibly can. So, well, even the big kids, right? I was just going to say, <laughs> even going up to high school, I mean, and college, like, it it unfortunately matters because everybody sees that number and they're like, whoa, you know what I mean? But um, sometimes it's it's not beneficial to have that radar gun there. Yeah. Yep. Um, we already talked about watching, having them pitch and catch for the same team. That's a tricky one. Um, if your pitcher ever complains of pain in his elbow or shoulder, Shut them down, take them to a doctor, have them looked out. Don't just kind of write it off as to, oh, they'll be fine. They're just sore, like especially when they're showing joint pain. Um, And just from personal experience, because I've now dealt with it with two children, if the inside of their elbow, that bony protrusion inside their elbow, that medial epicondyle area, um, if they tell you that that hurts or is sore, take that super seriously and shut them down and take them to somebody because that's not a good place. That's not a normal place to feel. That's not a sore muscle. That oh, there, there's something going on there and they need to rest big time. Absolutely. And I think we see that more, um, you know, through that puberty age because, yes. like, your hormones, your ligaments, your bones are growing. So they're stretching your ligaments. Your muscles are not always there. And so I think everything's a little bit looser and it's it's not under control at all. And those kids try and push it at that age and it gets it gets very iffy for sure. Yep, absolutely. So Max is going through the elbow issue almost a year later than Xander did, but he's also about a year behind him in his growth spurt. So they were, I feel like they're both at the same. They just went through them. Oh, it was right after they both went through like a pretty massive growth spurt. And Max has had several other growth uh-huh. type issues, pains going on. So it's no surprise that the elbow, um, that the elbow is one of them. So, 
Oh my goodness. Yeah, not fun. It's funny that Stephanie um, asked to do this episode because we hadn't even talked about this. I didn't know she had like a little league thing going on, but I think it's just, you know, that time of the year because we had had our own uh-huh. issues. Like, obviously, I don't even know if you knew that Max was having elbow, <laughs> elbow pain no, right I now and not. has been shut down from throwing. And, um, and honestly, we're terrible. We haven't even taken him into a doctor. I kind of just feel like, oh my gosh, Xander went through this. I know we can't throw. So we've, we've been tried following the same protocol, but I'm, I'm uh-huh. going to... I'm going to shut down and get him into the doctor. Yeah. But in the meantime, he just... hasn't pitched since his very first game of the year. So. Oh, shoot. <laughs> but yeah. He pitched Better and caught. Sorry. Yeah, he pitched and caught the same weekend. Um, oh. And it was the first weekend of the year. So, yeah, we pushed it. It was too much. Yeah. And he mm-hmm. grew a lot and was trying to press the radar gun all spring and just a lot of like, oops, we should know better. So. Yep. Too many factors in there. Yep. Oh, goodness. It happened. Okay, I think that's all the tips that we have. Um, I did want to throw out there people that... Oh, was another one? Ice. We forgot to talk about ice real quick. Oh, yeah, we will. Oh, Oh, okay. Good good deal. Good deal. Yeah, sorry. Um, So a lot of people are like, oh, but how do you keep track of pitch counts? What do you do? So I did look out there. There's obviously... Um, some apps out there. Game Changer is a huge one. Pitch Count is on there, so you know. Um, there's another app. It's called Pitch X Pitch Counter. That one is free. Um, it had very good reviews on that. Uh, another one is Pitch Counter and Radar Gun. That is also free. And then another one that was really good was Pitch Locator Pro, and that it does cost a fee. So there are many apps out there, or you can do old school. Get your own little clicker out there. Yeah, and you get can... your little pitch counter, or I don't know. Yep. I, we only ever used them for pitching, but. I Yeah, I know, exactly. You can click away, and you can do it in your seat by yourself as well. So there are many options to keep track of it. So I don't want to hear anybody say, but I didn't know what the pitch was. Yeah. So you can count them. Um, and then, of course, last but not least, we we have discovered this a couple, well, gosh, it's a couple of years ago because the episode came out a while ago, but. Parents, do not use ice. No ice. We do not use ice for shoulders or knees or anything like that after they've pitched. Right. After not, they've not pitched. Not for like normal sore fatigued arms. Yeah. No for no for soreness. Your athlete needs active recovery, so they need to move it. Remember, move it or you're going to lose it. So if you want to hear more about that, check out our episode 24, Arm Care Advice Part 2 with Dr. Ryan Brown. We go over all of those things. Um, and we talk about, uh, of course, arm care, which everybody needs to learn more about if you're not aware of it. Yeah, if you haven't listened to that episode, he just had he just had so much amazing information, just jam packed into a fairly smaller episode. So it's an easy listen, and we just learned so much. Um, I feel like it wouldn't yes. hurt for me to go back and re-listen to that. He talks about what you should do instead of ice, and he has some really great ideas and why he recommends those. Um, I'll say like for an injury, like with what we're dealing with, with like a little league elbow or something like that, if you have a torn ligament or whatever, or inflammation issues, your doctors very well may recommend ice. So it's not like no ice, never, but not just like, oh, I just threw a bunch of pitches and my arms, my muscle, my bicep is sore. Don't ice it. Mm -hmm. Yep. You got to move it. Um, Actually, we probably should have him on for another episode. Oh, we should invite him back. That would be great. Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. We had to really and limit I, our questions so because we didn't want to take too much of his time. <laughs> he, had, he had great information, yes. So I think that's all we have for this episode. Of course, always you can now listen to our episodes directly from our Moms and Baseball Facebook page. You can subscribe on Facebook and you will get a notification whenever we release a new episode. Um, also, make sure you're following us on Instagram and Twitter at Moms and Baseball. 
If you find our episodes entertaining or helpful, share them on your social media for us and tag us. And so then we can also chat with you and see what you liked about our episodes. Absolutely. And if you're new to listening right now, we're currently on an every other week schedule. So we release new episodes on every other Friday. I will say that right now we are in the prime time of our plane. I'm getting ready to pack up and travel for the next few weeks. So I'm if you don't hear from us for a few weeks, we're still around. We're just chasing our kids around and we'll be back shortly. Okay, hang with us. Absolutely. Absolutely. This is what we do, right? (laughs) Until then, have fun at the field. We'll see you next week.